tell your friends the Mark and Max show is back and better than ever. Are you ready? LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Max show, Friday edition. Woohoo! Wow, man. <laughs> Hey, did we work every day this week? I'm yes, just, oh, we, we did. did. No, we well oh, the days that were scheduled. We were off right. Monday. We had Monday Remember? off. Yeah. So and next week, what <laughs> has what? it been for you this week? Has it been like what day is it? I mean, yes. <laughs> it has for me all week long. Well, yeah, but you have a reason. Joe was in town this That's week. That's right. Yeah, our you know? schedule was really turned upside down this week. Yeah. Now, you know, Joe lives in New Orleans, and he doesn't come home that often. He's right. a busy guy. He's an adult. Did uh, did he come home and like go and see all of his friends from like high school? <laughs> well, he went to see one buddy of his that he always goes to see, and he was only here for two days, and he spent most of that time with us. Oh, okay, Usually, yeah. what he does is he sleeps late and goes and hangs out with his friends at night. Right, that's what he does. Yeah. But he went and hung with his buddy Philip for a little while, and then uh, he was supposed to go and hang with some other people the other night, but opted out of that because he was driving home. Right. And he knew that every minute he was out was another minute he wasn't home, you know. Right. Or he would be on the road late yeah. in the right. rain. So Good for him. Yeah. So he, he actually well, made I, a, an adult decision and drove home. Right. actually drove uh, until about 1030 and found a hotel. Wow. How yeah. long of a drive is it from your place to New Orleans? It's six, seven hours, something like that. Oh, okay. It's not, it's See, not I a, drove... Being a driver, OP, being the guy who doesn't mind driving, you know, I've driven cross country by myself and right. just yeah. never. And when my kids, um, as, as we would go on those family vacations, uh, like we went to Maryland and when I looked at the map and how we were going to drive and the fact that you and I get up and do a morning show, you know, right. <laughs> we were good getting up at two forty five and leaving the house by three Oh five kind of thing. Yeah. And so I was still in that routine back then. And my kids were all young. I mean, this is like 2004. Okay. So we're yeah, talking yeah. almost 20 years ago. Yeah. Oh, Mark. What yeah, I ago? know. <laughs> oh, good grief. But anyway, so we drove up to see my brother, Mike, because um, he has kids same age as my two oldest. And hmm, we went up and as I was planning the drive, I was like, well, I'll get up early. I'll have, you know, get all the kids. And I always fix the car this, you know, so that it was comfortable for them to lay down and right. whatever. Yeah. And I actually planned it so that, if I did it right, by the time we left, they would not wake up until Florence, South Carolina, mm, you know? Yeah. That was my plan. And it worked. But the thing is, I misunderstood the map or something. You know, this is before the MapQuest stuff. I'm sure it was available. I didn't know how to use it. And uh, I ended up driving. The, it was like an 18-hour drive. And I realized as I was driving the last few hours of it, it's like, I should have stopped. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. I should have stopped somewhere. Yeah. This is ridiculous, yeah. you know. Uh -huh. But then, okay, but you're like, it's only three more hours. You know, I've already gone 15 <laughs> hours on the road. Yes. And I've been saying only a little more for the last six hours. So <laughs> then you realize I drove two, two, I drove two full days of driving. I should have taken the break, but mm -hmm. no. Yeah. I had a similar experience one time when we went to, we went to visit some friends in Dallas and when Joe was small, little guy, uh -huh. and uh, on the way back, it's like, and that was back before you would call ahead. You didn't call ahead and make reservations. You just, right. you just pulled into some place. Hey, you got a room? Yeah, okay, great. And mm -hmm. so we're on the drive back, and I stop in every little town that we pass through. Every town we passed through, they had a bass tournament. They had a softball tournament. They had a bike. Bikers were in town. They had so, something going on. Every hotel was full. <laughs> and I drove until like three in the morning until I hit, Col uh, I think it's Columbus, Mississippi. 
Anyway, we're someplace just across the state line in Mississippi right. and find a Motel 6 that has a room. <laughs> I was within 45 minutes of being home. Wow. And had to stop. I can't. No, I can't go any further. Had to stop. Wow. <laughs> and I'm standing in the lobby at this Hotel 6 looking at the con- painted concrete block walls thinking, mm. well, you know, it's a bed. And there's, <laughs> and there's a poster hanging on the wall that says, when you're sleeping. Our place looks just like theirs. <laughs> I said, sold. LifeRadio.fm. It is the Mark and Mac show, and there is a deer known as Jughead. Now, before we go on, the only thing I really know about the Archies is Sugar Sugar was originally written for the monkeys. That's okay. all I really know. There okay? you go. Well, the original Millie Vanilli, the Archies. But wait a minute. At least Millie Vanilli were real people. The Archies were cartoons. So. That's right. Which is worse. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Well, authorities in Indiana said a deer known to the locals as Jughead was freed from the plastic jug stuck over its head. The deer had been spotted uh, multiple occasions in Candleton with a plastic jug stuck on its head leading locals mm-hmm. to nickname the animal jughead the and the indiana department of natural resources said in a facebook post on friday that officers zach howerton and neil brewington worked together with perry county sheriff's deputy marsh and local man jimmy mafia to track down and tranquilize the deer a jughead was released back into the wild once the jug was removed <laughs> well I, how long has the deer had the plastic jug stuck on its head? I mean, I, you know, who did it, who an antelope oh. It's where the deer and the antelope play, man. <laughs> They're playing here. Try this. <laughs> Life radio FM, the Mark and Mac show where we spent the first hour of our show yesterday dealing with animals. And you know what? Kind of a theme this week, I guess. A Mandarin duck story. Yeah, I thought Mandarin duck was a uh, a, a dish. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now you, you know why the story's here. here. <laughs> it's because yeah. that's the first and, thing I thought. And that's the thing. It's like, did you know? I mean, it's mm-hmm. like we don't have you know, like I don't know the Birmingham beef. You know, I'm I. <laughs> I guess we are, you know, so anyway, I digress, but the Mandarin duck Mm -hmm. bird watchers are flocking to a spot on the shore of Lake Michigan in Wisconsin to catch a glimpse of a Mandarin duck. That's a bear, a bird that's native to East Asia. Um, this vibrantly colored duck was first spotted in December at the South shore yacht club in Milwaukee and bird watchers have been making daily treks to the shore to capture photos and videos of this unusual visitor. The duck has been seen peacefully mingling with the native ducks and geese on the shoreline. The Wisconsin department of natural resources shared the ma- said the Mandarin duck is unlikely to be a wild visitor. Officials said the exotic bird most likely escaped from a zoo or private mm. collection. Um, the, uh, they also said uh, the, they believe the duck to be hardy enough to survive the winter climate in Wisconsin, and they're just leaving it alone for the time being. Sure they are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is one of those times where you got a couple of these officials out there, and one's going, I'm tagging this guy. I know. I'm going to, you know, I'm coming back for dinner. <laughs> That's all there is to it. Uh, hey, uh, we'll just leave him alone, Herman. No, you, you're going home. Uh, I'm just taking pictures. No worries. <laughs> 
And the kids at home, Daddy, what are we having for supper? Cartoon duck. Because <laughs> you see the pictures of this thing, and it looks like a cartoon duck amidst all the black and white ducks. It's just really <laughs> weird looking. It really is strange. Well, he always wanted to stand out in the crowd. There you go. Well, he does. <laughs> one of the reasons you don't want to stand out of the crowd is when you got one guy with some buckshot. <laughs> radio.fm it's the mark and mac monster show um <laughs> you know mark do you remember the movie return to mayberry in uh, the late 80s yes okay it was one of those shows that ron howard had become such a successful director and he wasn't you know showing up and wasn't doing a lot of acting he was just directing ever since you know uh that was what he wanted to do when he was in, you know, on the Andy Griffith show um, as a child, yeah. he really locked into all the behind-the-scenes stuff. You know, his dad, Rance Howard, was an actor. Yeah. And interesting part about this, and I promise I'm not going to get stuck on this, but <laughs> Ron Howard, when he was growing up on the uh, Andy Griffith show, and his little brother Clint, you know, played the little peanut butter jelly guy yeah. on the show. Yeah. All right. There was a time when, when uh, Ron Howard and Clint Howard both were on top 10 television shows at the same time. Wow. And it was like, yeah, Clint was like on uh, Gentle Ben. And, uh, um, and of course, uh, Ron was on Mayberry RFD. Anyway, when they were working as actors, as kid actors, the, their parents, their dad, Rance, and their mom, they actually bent over backwards to give the, kid, the boys a normal upbringing from playing Little League and doing scouts and all those things. And they didn't use the boys' income to live on, you know? Uh, like a lot of parents do, they'll take management fees and things yeah, like that yeah, out, yeah. so they don't have to work. But they didn't. Rance was a character actor, uh, and that's what they lived on. They lived on Rance Howard's salary, not the boys. And hmm. so their money, all the, so they were raised differently than a Hollywood kid because their dad was a working man actor. Anyway, kind of like Kurt Russell's dad in a lot of ways, Bing Russell. But anyway, so Ron Howard, by the time they're doing Mayberry RFD in the late 60s, he's already locked in to doing directing and filming. And actually entered a national contest with like Kodak to do a short film. And he wow. got his brother Clint to act. And they did it on a, a back a Western soundstage on the universal lot or something. But anyway, mm. it's just fascinating. That was his thing, even though he's a world famous actor, you know, as a kid. Yeah. And then, you know, all the way through American graffiti and happy days, that's his thing he's known for, but he's all about filming. He's all about being a director and, when he went to UCLA film school or USC film school rather, and all of that, um, he did his first movie eat my dust when, uh, you know, when he was still doing uh, happy days. And anyway, he becomes this huge actor or director rather in the eighties. And so there was some discussion now that Ron Howard's this big director in film, he doesn't even act anymore. Do you think he'll come and do this Mayberry reunion show? You know, mm -hmm. at the time you got Andy Griffith doing Matlock. You've got Don Knotts, who had been Mr. Furley on Three's Company, but right. he really wasn't doing anything other than guest appearances when they did this home back to Mayberry thing. Anyway, they lured them all back because they had a good plot. They had a good reason to bring everybody back to town, including Ron Howard. And you know what it was? What? The Mayberry Beast. You know, they created <laughs> this Loch Ness monster out in the pond. And that's, that's why they were all there. I'm not kidding. They created this thing as part of the story, and that's what brought them all to town to find out, well, we got to find out about Mayberry's monster, you know? So 
the in the in the bottom line, it was oh, all man. this real estate developer, new guy from out of town, and yeah. he wrangles in Ernest T. Bass. Okay, yeah. Ernest T. Bass is the one who operated the monster uh, uh-huh. out in the uh, lake. Yeah, see. yeah. And see, so, I'm re- I'm remembering little. I'm I'm recalling little bits and pieces of mm-hmm. it now that you're describing it. Yeah. You hit the Mayberry Beast, and it went ding. Oh yep. yeah, <laughs> and that's where it came from. And the whole thing, it all, the whole, it came from the Loch Ness monster and the fact that everything about it is a lie. You know, wow, from yeah. the the first big picture you got from the '30s that was taken by a doctor yep. that we've all seen the black and white kind of gray <laughs> thing sticking up, and you and it's like years later he said, "Yeah, I faked it." Yeah, and you go, "That's the one real picture we had," mm-hmm. and now you say it's fake, and he, yeah, I faked it. And so anytime you see this Loch Ness monster spotted, you know that it started with a lie. How can a lie turn into the truth? Okay. <laughs> Here you and go. Even today, even today, you still have people who will post that picture as a sense and claim it's mm-hmm. true. Even today, yeah. it's just because it looks real. It does look real. Even and though we this, don't think that somebody guy. in the thirties, an adult doctor would do right. this to yeah. everybody, you know? <laughs> yep. Exactly. You're, you realize PT Barnum was not the bully down the street. He was the con man <laughs> in the carnival. That's okay? right. Yes. Yeah. And that is all set up for what we will tell you next. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. We left off with this story about the Long Nest Monster being right. spotted again. And before we go any further, we've got to do this story so we can go ahead and move on with the rest of our lives. Yes. So, because. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to, I really thought we were going to dive into this in the last segment. And, and I thought, well, this is a, this is like an X-Files story. It's the, it's the mysterious creature. So I had the X-Files music ready, but now that we've talked about return to Mayberry, I can't use that. <laughs> so. oh. oh, go ahead. Yes. I now can. you've explained it. Go ahead. Thank you. <laughs> a snake like creature that shares a striking resemblance to the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> that's Loch Ness monster has been spotted in foreign waters, sparking fears that she has moved away from Scotland. The beast, which some claim to be Nessie, was recently seen by witnesses off the coast of North Carolina. The huge beast was captured with its head out of the water off of Atlantic Beach before its body surfaced and it dipped back underwater. Shocked witnesses were left questioning the species of the creature, with some wondering whether it was the mythical Scottish monster. Chasing Tails Outdoor Bait and Tackle Store, which posted a video of the monster, said it's something you don't see every day. Uh, They add uh, whales or Loch Ness monster uh, in in the port this morning. Never seen one inside the inlet like this. Thousands of social media users took to the comments to post their online, uh, their theories online with one person saying, now that is strange. Odd looking head for sure. Some suggested that it actually was a gator. Uh, Others speculate that the beast was actually a baby whale. One person said, no way it's any of the animals mentioned, including a baby whale or gator. All right, Mark. Yes. Just so we're clear here, Rusty Mace grew up there where this is. Okay. Okay. It's Atlantic Beach, Moorhead City, Beaufort area. North Carolina. We and we... Rusty and I worked at a top 40 radio station right there on the beach, okay. right? Or just, just off the beach. Okay. But we were in a double wide trailer, Mark. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right off the ocean. Uh-huh. And when there was a hurricane coming in, <laughs> we had to draw straws to see who would die with that trailer. You know? <laughs> yeah. There you go. So 
Atlantic Beach, anything's <laughs> yeah. possible. Hey, y'all That's all I'm this. saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. Well, I looked at the pictures yeah. that are associated with the article. Mm-hmm. It looks like an alligator to me. Okay. But, but more power to them, you know? Have some fun with it. I mean, <laughs> Nessie's off of North Carolina. Because, sure, why not? liferadio.fm the mark and mac show and mark when um i saw this story pop up yesterday kind of in your news feed thing you know um and i thought i gotta go back and find out what really happened and then i forgot about it and saw when you sent the prep last night i'm like okay now we'll know the paul harvey on this one (laughs) right i went to mcdonald's drive-thru for a snack but (laughs) <laughs> when unwrapping your McDonald's order, most people hope a crew member accidentally added, I don't know, an extra chicken nugget to the yeah. meal. Not everybody's so lucky, but there's okay. this one guy. He claims to have been served much more than his McMuffin when he stopped into McDonald's for a quick breakfast bite at the drive through Josiah Vargas says he was handed a bag full of cash alongside his order when visiting a McDonald's. He says, I just went to McDonald's and he handed me my sausage McMuffin in this bag. Well, what's in the bag? Their deposit. (laughs) Why? Just a couple of thousand dollars here. What's this? Why would they do this? Now I have to return it because I'm a good person, I guess. (laughs) How interesting. In his video, Josiah is seen entering the fast food branch, carrying the bag full of money before asking an employee, are you guys laundering money here? (laughs) After seeing the cash, one crew member says, Oh, I really want to give you a hug while others are praising him for bringing it back in. He adds, they were all just hugging me and thanking me and crying. And I get a, I get free McDonald's for a month, I guess. (laughs) When I was driving away, they called me back in to give me 200 bucks. Wow. Uh, Do good people return $5,000 and get $200 in free McDonald's for a month. Good trade value. (laughs) Well, I mean, I, I think it's wise. Yeah, sure. and, And good for him. Yeah. I mean, it's five grand worth your soul kind of thing, you know? The, yeah, that's true. And if it, if it was somebody who was less than honest, right. you know, then we would be having a stupid criminal story because, right. because there are cameras on the drive-thrus, there are cameras mm-hmm. on the doors, there are cameras on the counter, right. there are cameras everywhere. They but would have you know found what? him. Mark, how many times, though, have you driven away, you know, you're driving down the road, and you, you go through the drive-thru, you don't open until you get back on the interstate mm-hmm. or whatever. Yep. And imagine this, okay, just... Just a, wait a minute. Let me paint a picture. I'm in the car with all my kids when they were young. Okay. Yeah. We drive through. We w- used to do the drive through where we, what do you want to eat? We're going to stop wherever anybody wants to go. We didn't just go to one. And there'd be times where we would go to five or six different restaurants to get them what they wanted. You Holy know, well, I want fries from McDonald's. I want a hamburger from Burger King. I want a Rotary's roast beef. I'm not kidding. It was just fun. Okay. I like doing that. It was fun for us. Anyway. But imagine driving through that with my loaded kids, probably a couple animals in there and a stray kid <laughs> from the neighborhood. And, you know, you get the bag of stuff in there. You're just throwing food out, you know. And next thing you know, you look on the floor of your car and beyond the trash and the mushed up hamburgers and french fries, you uh-huh. go, hey, is that lettuce or money? You know? <laughs> Keep the money. There you go. I wouldn't know where it came from. What do I do? But, <laughs> liferadio.fm the mark and mag show it's a, a beautiful you know what it's friday we don't care it does not matter you know it's just, it's friday we made it let's go uh, we're just so, glad we survived 
You know what's bad? Mark and I, during the music, are talking about this mattress he had to do yesterday. So, <laughs> okay. I'm just, right. Mark, I'm curious though, when, when you have uh, um, an item, like, and a mattress is not a small item, but no. it gets dropped off and yeah. it has directions on the box for the person delivering it. <laughs> yeah. And it's very specific. Bright orange label, actually. And they ignore it. Uh-huh. I know. It says, uh, it says, there's a bright orange label that says this end up. And on the other end, other end is a bright orange label that says, oops, wrong end or something like that. Right. <laughs> yeah. And right. I wave at the Amazon truck as it's, you know, the dry the guy's mm-hmm. leaving and it's, thanks. Have a great day. And I turn around and look right. down at the box and it says, oops, wrong end up. <laughs> so they've put it on the porch wrong side up. You can't hurt it. It's a foam mattress in a box. Okay. You can't but, hurt it, but still the company has gone to all this trouble to design the box, to design the right. way it presents so that you get the box and you open this end of it and they've got their paperwork laid out and they've got, you know, it's all a presentation thing. And the but guy Mark, walks up and is like, here it is. You know, what if there was a Fabergé egg <laughs> in the middle of that mattress? Okay. I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, it would have been crushed because. <laughs> so you mattress. moved it just yourself, but yeah. Was it like, are we talking box spring or mattress? Just we, a mattress. You know? It's, it okay. is a king sized foam, Ooh. you know, memory foam type mattress. Ooh. When those things weigh oh. a lot, you see this box hit the front porch and you're thinking, ah, this is nothing. And you, you lay oh. your hands on it, get a grip, and you move, and the box doesn't. It's, it's, no, it's those just things one of those. Heavy. They're very heavy. That memory foam remembers how old you are, and it teaches you it all the time. <laughs> I feel like wow. I was drugged by, behind a truck down five miles of bad road today. <laughs> just, oh, my hands are sore. Every, and the thing is, when you're moving those things around, because it's replacing one that should have been replaced about five years ago, right? Sure. Yeah, it's just so I've got to get the old one off the bed. And I came up with a plan had to scrape it off. Yeah. There's a little thin, <laughs> that's right. you know, that's it's like right. cardboard. I've got tools, you know, spatulas. But the, uh, um, the plan is to take a section of the old mattress and cut it out and replace mm-hmm. another mattress in the guest room, which is much, much, much older. It is so wow. old. It's a regular mattress. I grabbed the, the little rope handles on the sides yeah. of it and they came out rip oh no <laughs> that's how old this mattress is right are the mattress tags still on there you know penalty of law you know if you if you take them off we're law-abiding people dave okay. so yes they're still there the okay. uh <laughs> the, but i had to get that out of the way and i've got to dispose of it that by the way that's my day today is i'll be disposing of all of the remnants so i i take that mattress that's a full-size mattress lay it on our old mattress draw the outline on the mattress and then i cut a mattress out of the old mattress to replace the guest mattress right i've (laughs) got to get this across the hall into the bedroom across the hall and i'm thinking okay that's a straight shot this is not going to be a problem at all not thinking Mm -hmm. about the fact that there's a there's a bookshelf next to the bed with (laughs) knickknacks and things in it and there's a dresser over here and this is and that and i i grab that thing and by the way grabbing is something you don't think about when you're moving a mattress made out of foam because you grab it with your hands and you're squeezing constantly trying to maintain a grip on something that really doesn't want to be held it just doesn't not made for that it's, it's not made, made for, for that. no that's right and then you grab it start dragging it across the hall and behind you you're not thinking about the fact that it's flopping around like an octopus out of it out of the water it's just it, wow. it, and it's grabbing everything so everything that was on the bookshelf on the dresser all the office it's all in the floor <laughs> <laughs> and it's about two inches too long by the time I- <laughs> 
got I've got it in the bed, and there's no way you can get a sheet onto the thing because it, you can't get past the front, the top, or the bottom of it. It's two inches too long. Wow. So today I've also got to trim it back down a couple of inches. Oh my. Uh, anyway, and then you take the uh, the new mattress out of the box, <clears throat> and it's a foam mattress which is inside of a plastic sleeve, and then they I don't know they run a, a steamroller over the top of it and seal the sleeve. It's all packed down. And then they fold it long ways and then they roll it up and then they wrap it in like this industrial strength saran wrap. Wow. So you've got to peel the saran wrap off of the thing. And now you've just got the plastic packaging and you've got to get that from the floor to the bed onto the box springs or the foundation. And then you've got to lay it out. And then you cut like you, you start cutting the, the plastic seal away from it and it's going and it's sucking air in and inflating the whole time. It's actually easier to manage once it's inflated than it is all rolled up because it's just this big stiff thing that you just shove one way or the other and it goes where you want it to. But wow. I finally got it all finished uh, about 20 minutes before Jane walked in the front door after she got off of work yesterday. You're laying there all exhausted and she's looking <laughs> going, you couldn't even wash your cereal bowl this morning, Mark. Come on. How did you know? liferadio.fm Mark and Mac show cruising along singing a song side by side that's us <laughs> alright so Marky Mark and Yield Funky Bunch yes after your day of gripping mattresses yesterday I've got a feeling <laughs> you know your hands will not clench you're not going to be able to hold no. today will be Mr. Butterfingers day for Mark know, that's what I'm I, guessing I hope I don't have to sign anything because I'm not holding a pen trust me <laughs> 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 well, I'm not the only butterfingered guy out there. Mark Waters Watson, he's 44, of uh, Berghead, Scotland. He proposed to Gail Robertson during a bungee jump at Highland Fling Bungee in the village of Killy Cranky. I love that name, Killy wow. Cranky. Killy Cranky, Scotland, high above a body of water. While popping this all-important question, Mr. Butterfingers Mark let the engagement ring slip through his fingers oh, no. down into the water far below, much to wow. Gail's absolute horror. Fortunately, <sighs> not all was as it appeared to be. Uh, okay, good. Mark had a plan in mind. He said, I got down on one knee, and all the emotions instantly came out of Gail. She was so surprised, which quickly turned to shock, when I dropped the ring 40 meters below us. I was down on one knee pretending to be shocked with her, but I, but really, I knew it was a fake ring I'd used. Of course. And this was purely to prank her, because she knows I'm a bit cheeky like that. However, with the sheer shock of it all, alongside the fact she was petrified by, of the bungee jump, I think it was all a bit too much for Gail, and I was quickly trying to calm her down. This was not how I planned it. I wanted her to be really excited and surprised, not shocked and upset, so I quickly grabbed the real ring from the staff to rectify things. Eventually, she calmed down. I did the proposal properly, and then we did our bungee jump. On the way back down, we already had a date in our minds for the wedding. Wow. All I can think of is a bungee jump, you know? Yeah. That is kind of like a great an analog for, you know, getting married. It's mm, like mm -hmm. jumping off the cliff together and, yep. ah, yeah, that's life. Yeah. I But the thing bothers me, Mark, is that, okay, it's not like this hasn't been done before, okay? Mm -hmm. Bill Gates did it. Yeah. And the fake ring thing. Yeah. But I will say, I just, I am a firm believer that if you truly want to surprise your fiance your i mean your future fiance uh with a ring and instead of making it a big 
thing, think about what she might want. Mm. I mean, I'm just, unless she's somebody who you met when you were at clown college together, right? You know, she's probably not going <laughs> to dig something like this. You know what this brought to mind for me? What? Do you remember that day that that day we spent some time in the back room at a bookstore with Gary Chapman? And he told us the story about the day he proposed to Amy Grant. I do. She had the flu. She didn't want to go anywhere. She felt yeah. awful. So he, he went by her house and picked her up anyway, took her to a handful of places and wrapped up being parking the car in an alley behind some laundromat somewhere. And she looks at him and says, you think that this is, well, this was your idea of a great date. And he reached in his pocket and pulls out the ring and says, no, I just figured if you could, you would stick with me through a day like today, you'd stick with me for the rest of our lives, mm. which is honestly a great line. Too bad it didn't work out that way. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Like, no matter where you go, they're divorced. She's married. Was- and it was all his fault. Yes. The Mark and Mac Show. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show, where exact time is one of those funny things. Whenever I see it, I think of the Brady Bunch and exact words. Yeah, I'm not kidding. Of course, yeah. I, well, everything's a Brady Bunch, Andy Griffith show, stuff sure. like that. Yep. Do it kids is. today have that, Mark? I don't know. I don't think so. I yeah. really don't. There was just something about, like, when the Brady Bunch was on network television, you know, it wasn't like a massive hit. You know, it wasn't like the, a top five show. It was just on the air in a place where families with children watched. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, the thing that made it big was that ABC or whatever network they were on would actually, you know, re-ran the show. They, they ran it to fill other times. Like, they had a game show um, that was doing really bad, and they didn't really have anything to replace it with. So while the Brady Bunch was a primetime show, they actually ran it during the day to cover the spot. Wow. Yeah, just weird stuff like that, you know, and and that's why. I mean, when when I was a kid, I watched the Brady Bunch, you know, when it was on in primetime. But more than that, it was an after school show that in Gilligan's Island, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's why I wasn't even alive. I mean, I wasn't watching TV when Gilligan's Island was on network television. Yeah, I watched it when it was in syndication. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's just I don't. And that's why I wonder, because kids have so many options, you know. They've got everything in the palm of their hand if they have mm-hmm. a phone. And I know. It's like your your son Andrew said, Ain't nobody watches TV anymore. I, yeah. You know? He's on radio in Atlanta going, yeah. Nobody listens. Yeah. I'm like, dude. You're, <laughs> well, the stats the stats disprove that. I mean, yes. you know, because the stats do prove that most people still do listen to the radio and most right. people are watching TV. But mm. <clears throat> when you live in this and that generation sees everything, yeah. you know, well, nobody else nobody nobody else right. exists, so everybody does it the way we do. And you know but I'm glad you said that because you know, Mark, one thing that did come out of this is there are a lot of different options for entertaining ourselves and being informed, you know, getting information. Some of it is so skewed though, that Mm. it's an echo chamber. We only, we gravitate towards those things we already believe. We we don't challenge ourselves, but like when it comes to radio listening, um, people still listen to the radio for not just music or, um, or, you know, they listen for entertainment. They listen for information. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we know this, and yeah. that's why it's just funny that this generation where they can have everything in the palm of their hand, you know, it's still a choice to, you know, you have to go certain places to get what you need. Yeah, that's true. 
It's I'm kind of feeling really old and young at the same time, man. We, you and I should be teaching a class, Radio 101, you know? <laughs> it's possible. But then again, everything that we, well, all the stuff that we know that works, that succeeds, that uh, that clicks with a listener is kind of inconvenient for the corporate mindset that has to make oh, yeah. everything. I mean, it's the corporate mindset is a one size fits all mentality. Right. It's a lot like federal government mentality yeah. where, <laughs> you know, we'll, you know, this is what's going to work. Oh, it worked here. It'll work everywhere. Right. You know, no, Mark, not I had an opportunity to be a consultant. One of the firms offered me a gig and this yeah. is years ago. And, uh, it was one of those things where I almost did it. Okay. Just so you know, I almost became that guy, <laughs> but <laughs> I just, all I could think of is, um, during the, when we're talking and, they were very successful, this group of consultants, okay, very successful group. And I said, but what if, okay, he said, Dang, no matter what happens, if it doesn't work the way we lay it out, they didn't execute it properly, you know? Mm, yeah, and I'm like, exactly. that's what I had as, as uh, an air person, as a non-consult, I was, that's what I would say. And mm. I'm like, these guys have the perfect job because yeah. if it wins, they take all the credit. Yeah. If it doesn't, it's Dave's fault. Yeah. He didn't do it right. And you're like, yeah. This is the perfect job for mm. job security. You just have to keep finding somebody stupid enough to write you a check for a couple thousand wow, dollars yeah. a month to basically never have any accountability. Whenever you mention consultants, I, I of course, have a flashback to the encounter we had with one in Atlanta. <laughs> and um, I won't go into details or name stations because the people involved besides this guy, great people, really are good people. But this guy... Oh, <laughs> we, we were supposed to, we were supposed to have a, a meeting with certain people and the person that showed up was not the people we expected. It was right. the station's consultant. Yep. And that guy basically had been, he'd been, mm. he'd been working a massive snow job on the station Oh yeah, and just, <laughs> and just, I, he just, he took everything out of context from the meet, everything that was said in the meeting and took it out of context and took it back to the station. And it yep. was just, it was, a, I'm, that's what I think of when I think of consultants, people who yep. will lie to their clients yep. and continue to lie to their clients in the face of the truth, just right. because they're cutting them a check and they can get away Absolutely. with it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and they get away with it. That's the key. Yeah. They get away with it. Yeah. Not that Mark and I are bitter over this at all, oh, but I will tell all. you this. Mm. There are two guys who actually built an entire career on that basis of outing the consultants on the air. And mm -hmm. by the way, outing all of good, what is considered quote unquote, good radio. Right. Rick and Bubba. Yeah. Rick and Bubba went on there and talked about all the other radio stations, <laughs> talked about all the other areas. Yeah, they talked right. about, I, I worked for a guy, Tom Williams, who was a brilliant general manager, a brilliant sales yeah. guy. He really was a lot. He was amazing. And I, you know, but he was short. Okay. Yeah. And they called, they referred to him as Tom thumb. Oh, and my. I'm not kidding. The first time I heard it, I almost drove off the road. It was just hilarious, but they did. They bagged on everybody. And yeah. what they, from a radio perspective, they told the truth. Mm -hmm. They did exact. And then they did whatever they wanted to. Yep. And, uh, it, and you know what, for them, it worked. There've mm -hmm. been a lot of people tried to copy it. it hasn't yeah. worked. Yeah. We've been so. accused of copying it, which we didn't. We, no, we were just two no, guys, two Christian and guys then, who enjoyed laughing about life. And that was here's the other part it, of that, yeah. though, is that after we had a uh, huge success for a few years, other stations tried to copy it. And mm -hmm. I would get calls as the program director. I got calls from programmers all over the country asking about the show and how did it, <laughs> you know, how did it come about? And I'm like, you know, this is you're not going to understand it. It's like, yeah, you, yeah. you know, and it, one last thing, and I'm going to throw this out and be done. 
But the one thing is, we are believers, okay? We're Christians. It's who we are. It's yeah. not something we do on Sundays and Wednesdays and holidays. It's who we are. And so regardless of anything else, that's who we are, and that's what comes out. We are believers, and we, as believers, have a lot of fun. We have a lot of freedom, and that's what we experience. The problem is, and I mean this in, with all the love I've got, is religious radio is not about that. Religious yeah. radio is about making the, the choir happy yeah. so that they'll donate money to keep mm. the thing on the air. Yeah. And that's never, and you know what? From Crawford Broadcasting standpoint, I always thought that their business model was the right one. Mm -hmm. We got to be better. Yeah. We have to be better. Yeah. And Earn your keep. That was yep. the whole thing. Earn your earn your place in the business community instead of taking money from the church. And just FYI, if you donate to anything, we're not knocking that. Oh, That's no, your no. call. You do no. what you want. It's kind of like yeah. I see the guy at the off-ramp, and I remember asking Nathan Park, you ever give money to those guys that are standing there with the sign, need food or whatever? And he said, yeah, every once in a while. I'm like, yeah, but they're going to use it for booze or cigarettes or whatever, feed their dog. They always have a dog. And uh, he said, that's not up to me. What they do with it is between them and God. If I'm led to do it, yeah. I'm doing what God told me to do. Right. What they do with it is not my, dis that's my responsibility ended, you know? Exactly. And that's, that's how it is. But yeah. in reality, you know what? One of the biggest problems we have today in the church is we, we A, we eat our own, you mm, know? That's true. If you have a, a church that is very successful in a community, we eat our own. And we ought not do that. Mm -mm. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And I know a few minutes ago, just kind of went on a little rambling yeah, rant. Yeah. But you got to realize that from our perspective, okay, with the Mark and Mac show, we are radio guys. That's our. That's been the career path. But as believers, we're also, you know, both of us have been from at different points in life involved in a church, yeah. um, you know, in different things. I in mean, different Mark, capacities. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anyway, the long story short is that we've been there, done that, got the t-shirts to prove it. And some of them even have our name on them, you know, <laughs> most of them have the holes thing, in them. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is that, you know what? Life's too short. And, uh, if you haven't seen a Loch Ness monster or an <laughs> alien, you know, you're not living. So yeah, here we go. Yeah. Let's just, dive but the bottom line is and i mean this from the bottom of my heart you've got to laugh man you've got to laugh and if you don't laugh or if you're just sold up and sad and tired and negative it's like why mm -hmm. i mean for real if you're a yeah. believer and you are i really do wonder why yeah there's something yeah. missing let's let's help here yeah you know? It's a couple right. of things, couple of things I like to remember. One, I remember the story and I won't name who it was, but it was the woman who used to count cuss words at the movies. Right. I mean, it's just like, why? <laughs> who, 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 who's going to rush to your, your, your seat in the theater and say, tell me how to get saved. I mean, yeah. <laughs> why, why yeah. are you doing that? <laughs> and the next one, and the next thing is, why are you angry at people for being lost? Right. <laughs> <laughs> why are you That's mad at the this, good one? Why are you mad at this guy? this drunk, mm -hmm. he's lost, right? He's just going to do what lost people do. Why are you mad at him? It's just like little kids. Why he just turned over your bowl of sp your spaghetti sauce all in the floor because he was curious. And why are you mad? He's just, he's just a kid. Mm -hmm. He just did what little kids do. It's the same sort of thing. And I think God looks at us the same way and mm -hmm. shakes his head. Well, they're just lost. I mean, 
I, need, I yeah. keep trying to send people to show them the light, but they're too busy being angry <laughs> at them. I just, you know. <laughs> wow. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And yeah, Mark, I got to tell you something real quick here. Okay. I meant to tell you earlier and forgot, but there's a, in the other world that, you know, we were talking about radio consultants and things like that. And, um, you know, here in the great state of Alabama, where people that are not from here and only have heard about us, it's kind of like church, you know, right? <laughs> people yeah. heard a lot of really bad things about Alabama. Well, people heard a lot of really bad things about this church, that kind oh, of thing. Yeah. But we're always like, well, you know, I don't want people to know how great it is here. Cause a lot of times they'll come and mess it up. And so, you know, kind of control that. But, um, yeah. anyway, I was on, uh, you know, I did the Nancy Grace stuff, um, mm-hmm. outside of this in Fox news and Fox nation. And there's a whole lot going on. Well, there was a time and it's been a couple of weeks ago that on her show, there was, um, a lawyer, James Shelnut, mm-hmm. um, and a forensic expert who is one of the top three, uh, most respected forensic guys in a, in the country, Joe Scott Morgan and me. Okay. And at the moment we were doing this show that was going to air, uh, that night on Fox and nation. And I'm like, wait a minute. All right. We're all on computers at our homes and using different things, you know, nowadays to connect. Right. Um, and I was sitting and looking at going, wait a minute, there's five people on this show. Okay. Nancy, Joe Scott, uh, James Shelnut, me, and Bethany Marshall. She's a psychologist to the stars out in uh, Beverly Hills. Nice lady. Ooh. Anyway, I'm looking at this. I went, wait a minute. The three dudes on this show are all at their homes within about 15 minutes of one another in Alabama. <laughs> and this is going out around the world, okay? And I thought, how weird is that, you yeah, know? Yeah. In this day and age that we could uh, technically do it, but right, yeah. beyond that, I'm like people who make fun of us and use Alabama as a punchline, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that it, it just for that moment just right. hit me as funny, man. Yeah. And uh, anyway, it's, it's, it, it, it is crazy. People don't. And I get that from time to time on social media. If I'm if I'm doing some sort of comment on something political, somebody on the left will come back and say, yeah, radio guy from Alabama knows right. what's going on. Right. Yeah. And my usual response is, hold on while I tell NASA they need to move. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I love it. And the thing is, is that, you know, when you get down to it, we're no different than anybody else, you know, in terms of a state. And I'm, I mean, I'm sure Mississippi has things to be proud of. I mean, I don't know what they are, but I'm sure they, I'm kidding. It's a joke. (laughs) Same thing with Tennessee or Georgia. Depending on where you are, if you're doing a stand-up comedy routine and you're making fun of the South, but you're in Alabama doing it, then Mississippi... Or Georgia is right. your punchline. Yeah. If you're in Mississippi, it's Alabama. If you're right. in Georgia, it's Alabama. Yep. You get it? Yep. Just <laughs> one of those little weird things. But I thought in that moment, uh, you know, here we are. And then Joe Scott Morgan, I was talking to him yesterday because he's got a body bags. He, his podcast is called Body Bags. Oh, and okay. Yeah. Well, he's that guy. He's a, fr- he's a forensic guy who, yeah. you know, you've got I'm a dead you. body. you got to figure out what happened. I'm with you. He's the guy that's got the booth at CrimeCon, right? You know, Mark, we're mocking again, aren't we? <laughs> yes, he does. But anyway, 
I think I'm going to have a booth next year at CrimeCon, Mark. So, <gasps> Mark, okay, if I do, will you go with me? Oh, no, absolutely, you, if, I will. Okay, all right. <laughs> People ask you, who's the schlub in the corner? No, never mind him. He's supposed to be the dead body in the booth. Yeah, <laughs> man. No, I'm not kidding. I'm, I uh, I will, because I've always kind of been on the fence on Joe. I go to CrimeCon or not, I'm going. Next CrimeCon, I'm there. We're getting a booth, and you're going with me. I love it. But anyways, oh, I'm, I, so I'm on the phone with, with uh, Joe Scott Morgan. And uh, it's funny because he's always been called, you know, he's a professor at Jacksonville State University. He is a forensic guy who spent time in New Orleans. Oh, I forgot about that. Mm. Yeah, he was a big New Orleans uh, forensic guy uh, for years. And he's brilliant and just a loving uh, believer. And uh, anyway, I'm talking to him last night because he, he was doing, uh, he's done like five episodes of Dr. Phil in the last three weeks. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's that's how his career path is going and okay. uh, any yeah so it's pretty cool stuff but it was just one of those moments where i'm sitting there thinking you know technology has brought us to this point where we really can do so many things you know from remotely and uh it just mm. it just makes me wonder sometimes you know yeah. that in our lifetime how much has changed okay yeah, a lot not has. just yeah you know you think about your grandparents and how yep. much things changed during their lifetime mm -hmm. good grief mark i remember going to disney and having the video phone oh yeah and uh yeah it, yeah. it, it was like a, a square box you know that uh -huh. would sit on the countertop and that's how they showed it and yep. it's the but we actually have it in our hand you in know our pockets every day now yeah yeah uh, wow just, yeah i really would like to go back to some disney stuff you know to the world of tomorrow what it was like what were they doing in the world of tomorrow in 1975 for example wow, yeah. i think that would be really cool hmm. there's got to be a way right uh everything's online just look it up yeah i, mean, the I, Disney I bet it's on youtube about that. i bet it's on youtube yeah okay time to look yep not now but after the show live radio dot FM, Mark and Mac show, and uh, we. I, this story has been sitting right here forever. Mm -hmm. We better do it before one of us, you know, ends up in trouble. <laughs> exact time. Office workers should drink coffee to stay most productive. Oh, Something yeah. you need to know on a Friday when you're going. What time is it? Why are we still here? Some boss is going to hear this story and say, "Okay, everybody, the only coffee break you get is at this time." Now, <laughs> anyone who's ever worked in an office uh, at, at an office job will no doubt know the reviving wonders of a good old fashioned cup of coffee when you hit a bit of a wall it's happened to all of us you, that in the afternoon it's like uh, brain not working um as hard as you, as you may try to concentrate and press forward it's only natural that your levels of productivity will dip a bit throughout the course of the day well there are a few things you can do to stop from dozing off in your office chair including having a strong cup of coffee when you feel your thoughts beginning to drift to what you'd like for dinner now experts have shared the best possible time during working hours to pour yourself a well-deserved mug of coffee to ensure you remain as energetic and motivated as you can. According to a recent study by office space brokerage Office Freedom, workers are at their most productive at 10.22 a.m. and will hit a productivity speed bump at 1.27 p.m. The poll of <laughs> 2,000 employees found work rates will continue to worsen throughout the afternoon with an additional slump noted at 2.06 p.m. <laughs> People had time to do this. In this poll, wow. drinking coffee was found to be among the top three ways to get an energy boost at work alongside taking a walk outside and having a cup of tea. Therefore, those wanting to have a more productive afternoon 
should aim to schedule their coffee break for 1.27 p.m. to ward off any potential afternoon sleepiness. Now, Mark, we could tear this up and mock it. Yes, But we just could. looking at it, I'm thinking about my regular day. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. it you're Those exactly times. right. Yes. I find myself wow. staring at my computer screen, fighting off sleep at yeah. about that time in the afternoon. Yeah. 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 But at 1022 in the morning, I feel like I could go ahead and write the follow-up to Roots, you know? Mm. And But, <laughs> wow, you're, that's that's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. But for me, I have coffee all the time. I keep yeah, up. I you know. know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a stainless steel coffee pump on my kitchen yeah. kitchen counter that I will go back to several times today. I'll just drink coffee all day long. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Actually, there's a lot of healthful benefits to it, That's true. if I'm not mistaken. That's true. One of them is, is being productive into the wee hours of the morning. <laughs> liferadio.fm the mark mack show and you know mark as the uh, nfl football season winding down as we head into super bowl time the uh, the standard call is tom brady gonna retire you know the the big time names in the game that yeah. are getting up there well tom brady is 158 and he's you know he's on the fence on whether he's gonna play again it's like dude you know think about this his team he he lost in the uh, uh the wild card playoff game mm-hmm. and this is a guy who years ago at New England, they were saying, he just, you know, we're talking probably 10 years ago. They were going, he's only got two or three more years, you know, probably not that productive. And and here he is all these years later, the Patriots, do, you know, they finally got to a point where they're going in a different direction. Yeah. And, you know, he, he signs on with Tampa Bay and they win the Super Bowl. It's like, this guy is just amazing. Yeah. And it's funny though, because there is a way of thinking about things, you know, and, mm. Um, there's a, this, it's just, this is one of those things that popped up on my Facebook feed and, uh, it's a Minnesota Vikings page. Okay. Now the, the Vikings don't care for the green Bay Packers. Okay. They've got a, uh, a big battle there between those two teams and Aaron Rodgers, quarterback for the green Bay Packers is in the, I is he's in the sights. Okay. If Minnesota fans want to pick on somebody, that's your guy, right? Right. So Aaron Rodgers, um, again, with Tom Brady losing the playoff game uh, this past weekend, there is talk about will he retire or not. And that brings out the question about other top-notch quarterbacks in the league. You know, are they going to retire? Aaron Rodgers getting up there in, in his years, right? Mm-hmm. So I want you to – this is one of those comments that he made on the uh, uh, about playing next year, and it was on the Pat McAfee show. He, Aaron Rodgers said, I think I can win MVP again in the right situation. Is that Green Bay or somewhere else? I'm not sure. I think there's more conversations to be had. All right. That's what Aaron Rodgers said about playing next year. Now, Rob Gronkowski, who has been a teammate of Tom Brady for many, many years. As a matter of fact, they both retired and unretired. You know, uh, they both went from uh, playing in New England to playing for Tampa Bay. And Rob Gronkowski, who is, like I said, this is the Gronk, man. He is a player's player. Here's yeah. what he said after hearing about Aaron Rodgers saying about being the most valuable player, right? Gronkowski said, uh, why are you thinking MVP? Like, don't you want Super Bowls? I think five Super Bowls are five times greater than an MVP award. <laughs> the whole point being, Aaron Rodgers is talking about playing another year, but, you know, what it means to him personally, and it's a team sport. 
You know? Yeah. Is your goal to be the MVP or to win the the world championship? Hmm. Why are you playing a game to win, right? Yeah. It's just totally different mindset. And the Minnesota Vikings fan club here, the Bleeding Purple group is just eating this one up. Hmm. They're calling him, hmm. that's the same old Rodgers, you know? Just, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, I just thought that was fascinating, yeah. you know, to to look at the different mindset of people and, and how they approach things. And, hmm. You know, Tom Brady still hasn't announced whether he will uh, be back next year or not. But, you know, he had a, an effective year. Guys still playing top-notch, you know. He's still yeah. the GOAT, you know. They call him the greatest of all time. And I yeah. don't know if that's necessarily the case, but he certainly, there's an argument to be made, you know, because, mm-hmm. my gosh, nobody's won more Super Bowls or been a part of them than Tom, than Tom Brady. Mm, can't argue with the success yeah no and the guy is still playing ball 10 years after most guys have to retire wow i know who does he owe who does he owe money yeah (laughs) he just keeps playing yeah life radio.fm it's the mark and mac show and uh mark We have had the story this morning about uh, the Loch Ness Monster having crossed the Atlantic Ocean and showing up in Atlantic Beach, North Carolina. I think he's going to be in Rusty's uh, Pirate Santa movie coming out next uh, Christmas. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but here we have 12-year-old on a Florida charter boat reels in a great white shark. Holy which, moly. Mark, there's a lot of good things about a story like this and a lot of bad ones. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So I'm thinking if it's a bad one with a funny ending uh then this could be a movie you know yeah. a nickelodeon movie if nickelodeon <laughs> still exists well campbell keenan he's a boston boy visiting fort lauderdale with his family was fishing aboard captain paul pellucci's charter boat off the coast of the state when he hooked into something big his mother uh, colleen said uh, we had to hold on to him we had to make sure he wasn't going to go off the boat the boat's crew soon realized the 12-year-old had a great white shark on the end of his line. Campbell Keenan told ABC News, We realized it was a shark when it was like 20 feet away, probably, and we had to get it in. Uh, we put this, like, buoy onto it to make it not go under. <laughs> the, the barrels. Boat, the yeah, barrels from Jaws. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> the boat's crew helped. We need a bigger boat. The boat's crew helped the boy struggle with the monster fish. Quote, it took a while. It took 45 minutes or an hour to catch it. We knew we had something pretty substantial on the, on the initial, from the initial bite. It took about 300 yards out. Wow. Um, the captain removed <laughs> the hook and tagged the shark so it could be tracked by researchers. Bellucci said the shark was 130 inches long, about 450 pounds, uh, an absolutely beautiful female. Now, wow. Campbell, he's an avid angler, said it was his largest ever catch. Wow. Good luck beating that. Yeah. Had to call him an angler. Yeah. You know how that is. (laughs) There it is. That is it. Oh, man. man. The movie movie that cleared the beaches. (laughs) Wow. Funny thing about the whole thing on the barrels, you know, that they mentioned the barrels in there. Yeah. Um, If you look back on, and you know how I am about movie stuff. Right. That uh, they talked about the barrels in the movie. That, you know, they had so many problems with Jaws. The mechanical Jaws thing. Oh, yeah. Bruce was his name. Yeah. Yeah. They were trying to figure out anything they could do. But the barrels, actually, it was like they, they you know, using the barrels, they didn't show the shark. But you knew the shark was there, right? You know, because it was it dragging was like, the barrels along the surface. Yeah. Yes. And oh, the so barrels they were would, able to. And when the barrels would pop up, pop, pop, pop. Yep. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what they said. The barrels saved them. You know. Wow. 
liferadio.fm, Mark and Mac show. And uh, wow, Mark, a Kentucky school's escaped snake. <laughs> There's so much wrong with a school and an escaped snake being in a story, dude. <laughs> yep. And actually, what's the most wrong about this is that it took so long to find it. A snake that escaped from its terrarium at a Kentucky school has been found just a few feet away from her former home three months after she escaped. Max Max Haupt, a science teacher at Walden School in Louisville. I'm sorry, it's Louisville. Said the uh, corn snake uh, named Gummy Worm by his sixth graders. (laughs) <laughs> I love that. Esca- I do too. Escaped from her terrarium in the classroom shortly after she was first brought to the school in September. Hey, everybody, mm. new snake. Next day, where's the snake? Oh, I, <laughs> I think I just didn't put the lid on securely enough, he says. Months went oh, by, my. and despite the discovery of a snake skin in the classroom, there were no gummy, ah! no gummy worm sightings until early oh. January. The school said Aspen Winter, who is 12, found gummy worm wrapped around a heater under a sink in Hop's classroom after students returned from the holiday break. The school said in a Facebook post, thirsty yet unharmed gummy worm has been safely returned to her terrarium. Uh, the teacher, Mr. Hop, said uh, gummy worm's terrarium has now been reinforced with a more heavy-duty lid. Dude, I'm just... There's so much wrong with this. I don't even know where to begin, Mark. Well, I'm glad they found it, you know, wrapped around the heater for warmth instead of some kid's backpack after it got home, you know? That's what I was thinking. My first thought was it got in a backpack. Somebody's got him. But three months, this snake has survived. You know Mm -hmm. they eat. They have to eat something. Yep. Yep. I mean, has the school seen a decrease in the number of mice, you know, that they've had? (laughs) I. Somebody three months, Mark. Uh-huh. Three months. Yep. They found snake skin. Uh-huh. Couldn't find the snake. I'm right. thinking they weren't looking that hard. <laughs> I'm thinking somebody says, Well, it's taking care of the mice. <laughs> Leave it alone. LifeRadio.fm. It is the Mark and Mac show. And uh, hey Mark, we yes. have survived. <laughs> A short week, but we survived nonetheless. <laughs> I just <laughs> you know, back when the kids were growing up, Mark. Yeah, there were weekends where I was like, "Can we just go back to work?" You know? <laughs> and I would think that, and yeah. it doesn't mean I didn't love my kids. I love them, you right, know. But yeah. it was like they would be exhausting. <laughs> now it's the animals, dude. It's yeah. like, can't I just go back to work? I mean, uh, we got snake stories about gummy worm and mm-hmm. all that. Now we have an Ohio Chihuahua. Yep, as. Uh, <laughs> Cincinnati, Ohio, WKRP. That's right. Where the Chihuahua still lives. <laughs> That's right. One of those More music Mexican, and what? less Nesman. <laughs> less, what are those little Mexican dogs called? Chihuahuas? Um, <laughs> and what about that uh, golfer you like so much? Chai Chai Rodriguez. Mr. Rodriguez. An Ohio dog named Spike has been certified as the oldest dog living by Guinness World Records after reaching 20. 23 years and 43 days old. What is that? It's a a major award. Shucks, I wouldn't have known that. It looks like a lamb. The record-keeping organization said Spike, the 9-inch tall Chihuahua, was certified as the oldest dog living on December 7th. Rita Kimball, Spike's owner, said she and her family found the canine 
the canine in the parking lot of a Camden grocery store 13 years ago. He'd been shaved up his back, she says, had blood stains around his neck from a chain or a rope, and looked pretty rough. The clerk in the grocery uh, told us he had been there for three days, and they were feeding him scraps. Kimball decided to bring the dog home to her small farm, where he immediately fit in. She called him Spike. (laughs) Spike was the name for a large dog, she says. My guy was small, but he had the attitude of a big dog. Well, that's a Mm -hmm. chihuahua, yeah. Yeah. uh, Kimball took Spike to a veterinarian who determined the canine's likely birthday as November Mm. 10th of 1999. How do you get that specific? Um, Kimball said she was watching The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon one night when she learned about the former oldest dog living named Pebbles, and she realized Spike was older. Quote, most of our family knew that Spike was old but didn't know he had a shot at being the oldest in the world. Now that he's a record holder, they see him as a celebrity. You know, Mark, the reality on this is we, with LaDonna, you know, Mm -hmm. her chihuahua named Baby. Yep. LaDonna got, when ba- when LaDonna turned nine years old, her dad took her to what we used to call the pound. Now it's, I don't know what they call it. But animal shelter. Yeah. Thank you. I couldn't think of the name. Right. Yeah. But um, anyway, they went to the pound and got a puppy. Right. right. Yeah. Don't know how old baby was when LaDonna got her, but LaDonna was nine. Baby lived more than 23 years okay yeah. but the problem is when we actually we, we did look into this back in the day um about oldest living dog stuff like that and we had two problems because um the because baby had been at the uh, dog pound the animal shelter well that animal shelter had burned down with all the records mm. so it couldn't even prove that's where she came from but yeah, yeah. anyway that's a long time and i know that just from the bakes uh, baby stunk so bad oh my goodness her last year on this earth it was like pig pen from you know the cartoon i I know this is a green cloud hanging yes but it was coming out of her mouth you know i know it was so bad and she would have these seizures and i would have to hold her and love her and (laughs) you know it was just oh my goodness and when she finally passed i i if you can just imagine imagine having anything from the time you're nine years old you know think about it you go through life, you know, you're a nine-year-old mm-hmm. kid, what, fourth grade, yeah. and you go all the way through school, you graduate high school, go to college, graduate college, go into your career, get married, have children, and all along, you've still got this little dog with you the yeah. whole time. Yeah. This Just... angry, smelly little dog. <laughs> that nobody loves except you. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Mark and Mac are back. The Mark and Mac Show. Weekday mornings on liferadio.fm.